If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, one. Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Appreciate you joining us. Been a busy, busy time for Florida State Athletics and sports in general. The weekend was busy, largely productive, and a lot of fun to document. Weigh in on Florida State Baseball wins the series on the road against TCU, takes two out of three. Now just one loss on the season as they do fall on Sunday. Softball team wins. Basketball team with the most improbable of victories. They take on North Carolina tonight. We had fun at Miami's expense, obviously. Unfortunately, the women's team Stumbled along the way there, but it was uh, productive for uh, beach volleyball too, Tom. Just so you know, it's back in season. Are you going to start making your way over? You know, I have vowed to make it to Gulf Shores for one of these national championship tournament weekends. It's just so much fun, and it's three hours down the road. This is the year. Got to make it happen this year because we just, that's what we do. We're, we're always there. I would like to see us finish the job. For the buzzer beater, I was actually in a drive-thru watching, <laughs> watching as it happened. How great is that? some soup for my wife who is uh, not feeling the best. And uh, I was just sitting there and I just, the heave is so, it looks like it's got no chance. Just the, the body, the, the way he throws it up, he looks like, um, I'm trying to think of the old player play for the Suns and the heat. Um, Sean, Can't, no, whatever matter. his name is. Sean Marion. Was it Marion? I, I don't remember if it was him, but it just looks like this absolute no chance prayer. And I'm sure that's how they felt in the Tucker Center South, the TLC double C South down there. And then just to watch that replay over and over and pick out a new person every single time you watch it to look at the devastation in their body language. It brought me great joy. Well, it brought me great joy too. And I, uh, I, I to some degree, I was really like, just for a serious moment for a second in a miserable season I, I i'm glad ham got that i'm glad ham had that moment again you know he's used to beating miami he pretty much does every time but to win that one down 25 to set records and to show the absolute like i don't know how in the world he does it i don't know what kind of a win it would take 
to see a reaction, but Ham is so calm in those moments, right? That ball goes through the net. The place is going, I mean, it's dead silent. Our players are running towards their fans to tell them to suck it. That's an awesome moment. And Ham's just calmly walking over to shake some hands. He's like, yep, sorry, looks like I got you there. Have a good one. Another one here at the Wasco. Uh, <laughs> just, it's hilarious. He's like, we're out of here. It was wondrous. I enjoyed it thoroughly. As for uh, <laughs> something else to bring up here, big picture. You know, everybody's had a race to, and to some degree I did, uh, to, to kind of figure out what I can expect from Florida State baseball based on a, a big series win against a top 10 team. And I said going into that series that, again, it's not all or nothing. It, it won't tell us everything we need to know. It, it will reveal some things that will, you know, bear uh, our interest and worth keeping an eye on. And some other things will still be uh, unknowns, and there'll be players that get better and those that begin to wane, whatever it might be. But can we just talk about how great it was almost collectively? I noticed it in terms of – you'll have to tell me the numbers as the weeks go by, Tom, but I am curious – I feel like there is an uptick in enthusiasm for the baseball program. It feels healthy right now. And I just, I, I ran into a lot of people this weekend. I went to Costco this weekend. I also went and saw Cocaine Bear this weekend, Tom. I went by Publix this weekend, swung by Gordo's and got a beer. I had, I got a chance to, to hang out with the people all weekend long. And everybody I ran into talked about baseball. Talked about the series, talked about the games to be. If they, if it was, if I ran into them before the next one, it just felt like a breath of fresh air to be talking about Florida State baseball with hope. That's what it was—a glimmer of hope in the eyes that approached me and, and talked about the, the sport, the team, and the direction that they're headed. It was awesome. So A plus through F minus, Cocaine Bear. Let me get a grade. Uh, B minus. B. Wow, that's way higher than I thought it would be. Okay, so you liked it. I went in knowing that it had to be farcical, silly, and, you know, and it was. I mean, there are enough pockets of laughter uh, that, you know, and I wanted to take the boys to it because they wanted to see it. So, you know, I got a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old. I was like, oh, we're going to see Cocaine Bear, boys. Let's go. Let's go. Let's see a bear on a murderous rampage hopped up on cocaine. This is going to be awesome. So, so I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Uh, I'll probably watch it now. I don't know that I'll go to the theaters to go see it, but when it's released on a streaming service, I'll mm. actually hit play. Uh, I, too, was around many Knoll fans and, and citizens of Tallahassee who just love going to the ballpark, even if they're not, you know, FSU grads or whatever. And baseball was uniformly brought up in those circumstances as well. And I think part of it was I was out on Saturday for most of the day, and that Friday night game was such a pleasure to watch because for the first yeah. seven innings or so, it's basically playoff baseball is what it feels like. Then we extend the lead very late and we keep going and going and going. Beat but for the ass. better part of, of two hours, it was just on the edge of your seat. It felt like watching October baseball in the major leagues with two pitchers just going at it back and forth. Every base you can take is critical. And the details of what we were doing were much more sound than they have been. You could feel the gravity of that moment and link Jared to put that pressure on his team before they went out there saying that it's going to be akin to a super regional atmosphere. He knows his players are aware that he says things like that. So he's looking for the response and you saw the passion and they're all pulling in the same direction. You can sense that whether you're at the ballpark or you're watching on an ESPN plus feed, you can feel it. 
and people want to talk about things like this. And it's great to see because you couldn't pay people to talk about Florida State baseball the last couple few years around town. And again, I get it. It's more of a Tallahassee thing to the you know regional audience that's out there. It's like our local minor league ball club. But people are proud of this club. And I saw that today, the Florida game, all tickets have been sold out except for student tickets. That game is about three and a half weeks away. Outstanding. It's great to see. I think rekindling the magic and the enthusiasm surrounding that program and going to that ballpark and feeling a renewed energy will be a breath of fresh air. I, I, I'm somebody who has been very fortunate in the time that I took over covering uh, or the time that I kind of fell into a career covering Florida State. But even before that, going over, you know, I tell the stories all the time about doing homework in the stands at Hauser in the early 90s. And, and I, got to, I got to watch them perhaps at their – Apex, right? When they had all of those teams back to back to back to back to back that were tantalizingly close to being uh, national champions and went out to Omaha and spent time ranked number one and had a bunch of pros. And that's what led to the frustration of not having won a title is that they were so good so often and had so many chances. And, you know, baseball sometimes was baseball. Other times they, they made critical errors in key situations, whatever it might be. I don't want to relitigate all that, but I, I do remember what that felt like to go drive over to the ballpark with a, a sense of optimism. And, uh, you know, uh, this sounds sappy, but I don't mean it to be. I think part of what we love as fans is you belong to uh, a community. It's a collective of people who are pulling in the same direction, rooting for the same things, have the same interests. And, you know, it's a fellowship in a lot of ways. And, and, and so you go there and you watch a game and, you get your hopes up. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and, and you share that together. Indifference is certainly the enemy of that, right? And uh, apathy. And when you have apathy said whole, I'd rather people be passionately angry or absolutely over-the-top thrilled, but I don't need you to be indifferent. And I don't need apathy, uh, which creates a pall over a program. And I felt like the last several years there may have been apathy setting in for Florida State baseball. And it just broke my heart because I've seen it the other way. I've seen it be unique to this community. Um, there aren't many places that are passionate about college baseball. There aren't many markets that I could ever talk about college baseball. Frankly, if I were doing a statewide show or a regional show or a national show, college baseball really wouldn't come up unless it was the College World Series and something crazy happened, a big comeback, or there was an elite pitcher getting a start or something. It just wouldn't come up. And one of the things I always loved about Tallahassee was that it does come up here. We are able to talk about it. You don't have everybody clicking off the radio the second you do it. People are interested. They do care. And uh, I felt like that was waning a little bit. I got a couple of uh, comments that I got to get to here where folks contributed to do our efforts today. Uh, Pete writes, great show, guys. Off sick today. Nice to be part of your show today. Thank you. Appreciate that, Pete. Remember, you can always download it. Podcast is available every day. You can always go back and find it on YouTube, Warchant TV, all that good stuff. Eric Wright, here's to FSU over the weekend. Uh, Jeff and Tom, tall boys. Oh, thanks, thanks. Uh, we'll have to wait to the weekend to get around to those tall boys. Busy week for us as uh, we get set to cover Florida State in the start of spring football practice, which is also something that collectively this group is very excited uh, to take part in. I can't wait to get over there and see some of the newcomers get a sense of what that competition is going to be like. It is very brief. You get just a taste to wet the whistle there, Tom, and then they're off for a while, and we all kind of go on spring break or whatever it might be. But I, I am excited to cover that as well. But that, that was a big part of the Florida State TCU series. Yeah, it's great they won it. Shows you they can compete with the upper crust in the league early in the season. 
shows you that they're not intimidated. Uh, you know, if you go back, I brought this up on Friday. Link Jarrett's record on the road at Notre Dame was exceptional. It was gaudy. Notre Dame took care of business against a lot of really good teams on the road. There's a mentality that comes with that, and it's instilled from the coach. Uh, and you know what? I'm kind of not surprised to see, out, see them go out there and play well. So that was good. I mean, it's all the better when you win games, and they did. But they played well. Uh, some lapses defensively, like you said. And I, I actually think, Tom, that's something that will also get better. Will they be sterling on defense this year? Probably not. Probably not. Can they be better than they've been? I think so, and I think there will be a point of emphasis on that because it's going to cost you games. You don't have the pitching depth that can survive that. Giving people extra outs will lead to more pitches, which leads to you going to your bullpen sooner and having to throw more guys. And they don't have enough guys. Not yet, anyhow. Maybe some emerge. I'm not counting that out. But right now, they don't have enough guys to be able to withstand those kinds of routine plays not being made. And so... If, if a guy's out there now and he's unable, unable to make those plays, unless he's a plus, 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 plus war player offensively, I think they're getting pulled. I think, I think he'll find somebody else that'll pick up the baseball. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. And what, Sorry, what I was going to say is it seems to be really confined to the infield. There are a lot of issues. Several throwing errors from pitchers uh, so far this season. We're, I think we're at 13, so that's just under two per game. Uh, but, you know, carry has got a few. DeSantis had a big one yesterday. The pitchers are throwing the ball around a lot. I think part of the concern that I have is, again, you've got a six-foot flat, tall first baseman. Tibbs, we love him at the plate, but, you know, that's that doesn't scream somebody who has the radius to clean up a lot of errant throws or non-perfect throws. Short hops are different. You know, it's all about uh, building a roster when you're trying to get to the level that Link Jarrett is, is, is you're trying to find a couple of staples you want front-end talent, of course, uh, for the pitching staff. You want versatility in your lineup. But I think one thing that we got to aspire to is a first baseman that's six foot four or taller. Can, can we get to a place like yeah. that? Because that's what the big-time clubs have. And he even said it in his preseason interview with you on opening day where we ran it, that you know we're experimenting with James at first base because they, they clearly don't have an answer that they like there. So I'm always going to be concerned when I see a throw coming from across the diamond towards a shorter first baseman. That's not going to change between now and and however far they go. But I think you're right. They can clean up some other things. And they weren't exactly perfect on the base paths either this weekend. That's something that I think is going to take some time. Uh, one thing that pops immediately to mind, Colton Vincent, who's hitting the ball quite well, much much better than we expected coming into the season. There's a bad read on, a, on an obvious blooper into the outfield that you should score from second on. Things like that. So there are a lot of details that need to be cleaned up. Uh, I think some of it's fixable and some of it's just going to be here to stay for this year. Yeah, I would always want a taller, not shorter uh, first baseman, but I will tell you the errors they make now are in the middle of the infield more often than not, yep. and those two gentlemen have got to clean that up. That's got to get better. Both of them uh, were mistake-prone over the weekend. Ira Chaffel, Warchant.com, wrote a very, very interesting uh, piece in response to Michael Alfred's comments at the BOT meeting. I want to get his perspective on that. And for those that haven't had a chance to read it yet, I would encourage you to do so. But we'll talk about it next. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. 
Rolling on, Jeff Cameron Show on a glorious Monday, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. On Twitter, it's at Jake Cameron Show. Should note, no surprise here. I'm sure it makes you smile. It is just spring training. Uh, Philadelphia 8, Pittsburgh nothing here in the 5th. We see spring training very, very similar to a regular season matchup between these two as it is 8 to nothing Philadelphia over the Pirates in the 5th. <laughs> I will tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed downloading my MLB app on the PS5 over the weekend. Pulling up the spring training uh, lineup and just throwing it on the background as we did some spring cleaning before the Knowles took on TCU. Just want to get the sounds of baseball going in the household, you know. Tried to open the windows to enjoy it, but between the pollen and the extreme heat in February, I decided against it and shut it down and cranked up the air, but that said, nonetheless, the baseball sounds were there. Very inviting, very beautiful to take in. It was an ice-cold beer while I cleaned the kitchen counter. I might have one. I might do it. I have a, I have a system, a very similar system that other alcoholics have, and that is you reward yourself for uh, cleaning, picking up around the house, Perhaps lawn maintenance of any kind. You got to dangle that carrot of an ice cold beer. Babe, I'm going to clean the uh, kitchen countertop. And then I was thinking about taking the sheets off our bed. I'll throw them in the wash. Uh, what What do you want to tackle today? By the way, I've, I've put a beer in the freezer. Leave it in there. I know it's there. I know You don't have to think that I left it there overnight. No, I, I, I put it in there for a reason. But it's 10 a.m. Well, it's Saturday is what it is. Saturday is what it is. That countertop's not going to clean itself. I'm just saying. <laughs> Ira will join us uh, momentarily. It was beautiful. It was beautiful, Tom. Spring cleaning baseball. It's back. Your World Baseball Classic has got to be within 10 days, right? I mean, the opening day of the MLB season is four weeks away. It's on a Thursday. I think it's March 30th is the official date. But... I mean, that means the World Baseball Classic. they got to play the whole tournament in between then and now. So when is it that you get to see your in-person games? Are you going down to Miami during spring break? What's going on? Uh, the fine folks at the World Baseball Classic, which, by the way, uh, begins March the 7th, uh, March the 7th, just so you know, uh, did ask whether I would be returning uh, to the Miami area to take in the greatness that is the World Baseball Classic. And I, I could not give them a definitive answer just yet. Told them I was hoping that I could find a way down there if the schedule would permit. That first big game between the Netherlands and Cuba, uh, an 11 p.m. start time, you can bet we'll be up late in the Cameron household as I take on uh, Cuba with my brethren. Born in Heerlen, Holland as I was, you can know how emotional that matchup is for me, Tom. That sounds like a, a skirmish you could set up in a custom game of Red Alert 3, the Netherlands <laughs> versus Cuba. <laughs> More than it does a compelling baseball matchup. But, hey, man, you do you. I, I'll be watching the Florida swing is what I'm going to be watching. Well, but you can do both, Tom. You can do both. It's okay. I got more than one television. It's all right. You don't have to preclude yourself from enjoying all the great action of the World Baseball Classic starting March the 7th at 11 p.m. with Cuba versus the Netherlands. It should be a good matchup. Netherlands have come a long way 
Has Florida State announced their intent to leave the ACC officially before the World Baseball Classic is over? There you go. There's a question for you. I can't wait till the day that we get the call. I uh, love it, Briley. Good job. Um, I w- I'm going to tell you that uh, – no, no. I Hey, listen, no, Dad. Uh-uh. Don't even go there. I have the Netherlands World Baseball Classic cap from the last World Baseball Classic. I have it. It is in the closet. I'll wear it tomorrow if you don't believe me. I've uh, had it, and I, I will wear it proudly. At the end of the day, I do want the United States of America to win the World Baseball Classic yet again. I remember how the tears flowed when they finally broke through and got that win. It had eluded us prior. That was a big win. Matthew was locked in. That was a big day. It was a big day. I didn't know if we were going to get it done. That was did a war. you guys watch together? Did, did you assemble together and, and have we, like a watch we, party? We were texting. We were texting the whole time. I can't, you know how it is with big games. I don't like to leave the house. I like to be right there. I don't want to have to deal with anybody else. Even if I love them like Matthew, I don't, I don't want to be there. I got I to gotta lock it in. Speaking of locking it in, there he is. Irashafel, warchant.com. What's happening, brother? Good, man. How you doing, Jeff? I'm good. I'm really good. So I love the piece. I, I don't know if you got to hear my take on the, uh, the breakup. And, uh, I did. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> Although, I got to feel like there are some marriages that are saved by counseling because they wouldn't be, marriage counselors wouldn't exist. They can't be batting zero. They're like, not there batting zero, be- but I think we know where it's headed. You know, like when, when you get the, when you hear like when one of your friends, because it's hard for me, I don't want to see it on my face. I had a friend one time go, well, I won't say her name, but she wants to get counseling and I, I had to do the, oh, uh, that's look away because I didn't want him to see the face of despondency. I think he, <laughs> I think he did. like in my head, I knew immediately like, okay, well, my friend's getting a divorce here soon. This is going to be a tough, <laughs> tough one. Um, yeah. You just guys out there. If your wife comes to you and wants counseling, it's over. You got a, you got an uphill battle. Just letting you know. Uh, I hope to never hear that, but I did hear it from Michael Alford and he addressed the, uh, fractured relationship that Florida State has with the ACC. And I don't think he wants counseling. That's the other part. I don't think he wants to seek counseling. I think he's like, we're done. That's the last time you're ever going to talk to me that way. I warned you about this the last time we were together. And this is not the, this is not going to continue. We're out. We're out. Get it together, everybody. We're out. I would love to have seen the shade of purple. That Michael Alford, maybe President McCullough, maybe <laughs> Peter Collins. I don't know if he went to the when they were leaving the winter meetings. Is they got back in their car to the airport from Char- in Charlotte. Mm. I- I'd love to see the the color of purple in their faces when they 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 felt the warm reception to the, the conversation <laughs> about uh, changing the revenue sharing model uh, up there in Charlotte. I think we should start with that though, Ira, because I said, and you may disagree with me, and and. I don't know what they would say publicly, but I think that's just a salve anyhow. I don't think that that is ultimately going to solve anything. And I think that they know that. And that even if the ACC were to say, yeah, we'll give you 10%, we'll give you 12%, they'd take the money while they figured out a way to get the hell up out of here. I don't I don't think that that's long-term a solution, right? No, I agree with you. But I also think it's kind of like, you know, I mean, if you're that wife in that relationship <laughs> who says, oh, I want to go to counseling – and and Harry is sitting there like, well, I got bowling on Tuesday night. Yeah, it's a league game, know. Smokey. I can't just be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
not sure that would that would go over real well either. So so yeah, it wouldn't change anything in the long term, but maybe it expedites things a little bit. <laughs> I'm not so sure, uh, Susan. I I mean that I, it was the semifinals. I, what do you want me to do here? I mean, it's our marriage, which by definition is on the rocks. We could win the whole thing. No, you know. So listen, I I. We, we weren't surprised. For those that haven't read your piece, and I would strongly encourage folks to go read Ira's well thought out. Uh, it doesn't use the absurd analogies of the Jeff Cameron show. It gives you a, a standard journalistic approach to assessing the situation. And I'm appreciative of that. Um, tell folks why you think specifically this past Friday, they came in with a game plan. I think they came in with a game plan, obviously, to have this discussion publicly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's one of two things. Um, I mean, I think that they either know how they're going to get out of this and where they're going to go. I mean, the two pieces of it for Florida State would be if you if you're going to have an alternate plan, one is you got to have a way out, and you have to have the place to go. So so they must feel pretty good about those two things. That's one option. The other option is, you know, it's it's more like a bluff, which I think I've seen people, some people throw out there. I, some of my column has been shared by some of our friends across the ACC with uh, some just dis, some, uh, I guess, dismissive commentary about, OK, great, but we'll see you in five years down the road or, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they just don't believe that Florida State can really do anything. Um, I think the truth might be somewhere in the middle. I think that there's a lot of scenarios where Florida State can see this going in the right direction whether that's be more than half the schools agreeing to disband because they found other homes and maybe television partners have to help make that happen. Uh, maybe it's uh, maybe they do feel good about their possibilities of challenging the rent of rights. Maybe the legal, their legal experts have told them that and they feel like they can make a move and, and they'll have to fight that battle whenever that battle comes. And they feel like they have an offer from the big 10 or the sec. I think it's, it's probably somewhere in there. And that if the byproduct of this is that these other schools and the ACC realize, well, Florida State means business. Like, they're, we're not going to have the, the difficult conversations in private anymore and all the, the cheerful conversations in public. This has gotten to where this is acrimonious and it's going to be acrimonious every time we get together. This is not sustainable. Now let's all see what's what's possible out there. And also, when Michael Offer brings up the Pac-12 situation and the Big 12 situation, he's also kind of letting all those conferences know, hey, as you guys are reevaluating your landscape, <laughs> mm-hmm. we're not doing real well over here in the southeast corner of the country. And if you want to start talking to some of these schools and start talking about the, to the networks about how we can make this happen, let's have that conversation. So I think that my my thinking is I don't think they have a cold, hard plan for how they're going to get out and where they're going to go. But I feel like there's a lot of options on the table in the one option that there's only one option. If they stay doing what they've been doing, if they stay in the ACC, the ACC stays the way it is. And the ESPN doesn't pay them anymore, which they're not going to do because they have no reason to negotiate against themselves. They know what that scenario is. And that's that scenario, Jeff, it's cheeks. It's buns. <laughs> it's nothing but cheeks, baby. <laughs> so, so they know where that goes. Mm-hmm. They may not know exactly where the rest of this goes. I, I'll give you that. But I think they see some, some, some courses, some, some paths of action. That's, that's, uh, that's. They know, they know where it goes though if they stand pat and it's a bad place. 
do you agree? I said that uh, I thought they were also sending a message to many of the other teams in the ACC. Like, hey, man, sure. you may want to get your house in order. If you can get to the Big 12, <laughs> if that's a more stable set of circumstances than being in the ACC long term and you're Louisville or you're one of these other programs, then you may want to think about doing that. My suspicion was that they did it to, to try to get this number, the magic number, to eight where they could say this is – no longer a deal, no longer a conference. We don't have to abide by the grant of rights. We're out. Um, well, and that's that's possible. And the, and the reality is, you know, all these schools have attorneys, and they're all looking. They're all doing the same dance, basically. All the schools that that think they have opportunities elsewhere. And so, now the question is, can you get to whether say it's eight schools? Can you get to that number? Well, there's probably really six attractive schools in the ACC. Like if if I'm if I'm the commissioner of the Big Ten or the SEC, there's probably six I don't know maybe seven schools that would be attractive. There's a bunch of them that would not be real attractive. So then now maybe you get some negotiations between some of those mid level te- mm-hmm, teams. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, when the cops start interrogating witnesses. And it's like who wants to talk <laughs> let's first? Let's separate them. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 talk about who wants to talk first and who wants yeah. to deal with things later. And so you may find some schools, if, 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 if there's a way to get out, maybe they'd be willing to talk. So I think all of these things are now in, at least on the table. Because again, Standing Pat was going to be looking at UF getting 30 to $40 million more every year than your programs. And you having to explain to your coaches and your fans why that is and how you're going to still compete. It's fascinating. I love that it happened because, again, no matter how it arrives at the place in which Florida State benefits most, we do think that in, you know, the, the beginning of the end was what was signaled on Friday, at least in my mind. I mean, I, I think we'll look back at that moment and say, well, that was the day we knew because whenever this gets resolved, there'll be a moment where we're like, well, how about that? Florida State and Clemson are on their way to the SEC. And we'll think back about this day or that day and say, remember when this happened two years ago, year and a half ago? It was written in the stars in that very moment that we were out the door because he would have never brought it up otherwise. And there is a lot in the way of details. And you can get buried in the idea that, look, Florida State doesn't have a viable way of just walking away. No, of course they don't on the surface have a way. But if you can, if you can create a point of critical mass where everybody is now talking about a sinking ship and you speak it into being in a way in which now everybody's looking over their shoulder like, Oh, this isn't, this is long-term. This is not an option guys. Let's all look out for ourselves. Well, then you have the potential collapse of a conference, which is what FSU wants. Right. And that's when you go back to, well, and you go back to when we kind of did this dance 10, 15 years ago with uh, Andy Haggart, the then mm-hmm. chairman of the board of trustees came out and spoke to warchant.com. I think DC Reeves, the mayor, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor yeah. is the one who wrote that article. And Andy Poorly Haggard written said, article, but the gist of it was, that, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> but, the, he teasing. said that, you know, you look, you, you're the, these big 12 and these sec schools are going to be making more than us. And back then it was like, what, $5 million yeah. difference or $10 yeah. million right. difference. Now it's, it's, it's so much more substantial, but then what happened is, I think FSU wasn't sure the leadership at the time wasn't sure they had a place to go. And so there was concerns about whether or not would the SEC take them? Probably not at that time. There was concerns about, you know, would you really want to go to the big 12? So then 
when Florida State had to kind of sign the grant of rights, part of the reason they had to sign the grant of rights in the first place was because FSU had destabilized the conference with some of that talk because now you had Clemson worrying about what Florida State's going to do. North Carolina and Virginia started talking to the Big Ten. And so everything's destabilized. They had to sign the grant of rights. This time, Florida State is clearly saying, look, we don't care if it's destabilized this time. Like, we're not trying to keep it together and we'll go where we have, wherever we have to go. And I think, but they have to make that stand because they have no other option. Like staying, just dealing with this till 2036, I think they believe is completely not an option. And so, you know, they're going to see where it goes. We don't care about Carol's feelings anymore. Nope. I mean, we've danced around it. We've been on eggshells around these parts for years, Ira. I don't care if Carol knows. Carol started drinking, you know, I mean, it was, and we tried to hide it. Long conversations with Keith at every family reunion. Tired of that. I don't know what's going on over there either. I've long been suspicious. No, we don't. We don't. We're not worried about who knows. And it, it is fascinating that that is the the step being taken. I, I for one, and again, I can't give you a series of steps or events that are going to take place subsequent to this that suggests. Well, here's the pattern. Here's how it will work. Here's what's going to happen. I can't do that definitively. I do think, like I said before, and I'll reiterate here, I do think it's the beginning to the end. I do think, and this may end up, would you suspect this happens a little bit sooner or later in a timeline of, say, six years? I think sooner. Yeah, me too. Um, Me too. You know, and and this wasn't, you know, and again, you pointed out that meeting on Friday, and that will be the moment that we all kind of point to, but there have been hints along the way. I mean, how long has Michael Alford been tweeting out those graphics about television revenue? (laughs) I mean, how they had a board of trustees meeting a few months ago where he he brought up some some statistics for where Florida State would rank if they had the SEC uh, distribution, where they would rank if they had the Big Ten distribution, because they would be with the money that Florida State brings in on its own through you know uh, merchandising rights and other deals and Nike and everything else, they would be they would have one of the highest budgets in either the Big Ten or the SEC because they bring they're an attractive product. They're only lower than everybody else right now because of that ACC distribution. So they've been kind of planting the seeds. This has been something they've been kind of, I think, positioning themselves for. And now here we are. But but as far as the time frame, yeah, I mean, I it really, a lot of it's probably going to depend on what comes out of this, like what ripples are felt from this. Because you know for a fact, you know and I know that the powers that be across this conference and beyond this conference were all watching that video and watching that press conference, and then they made su- subsequent phone calls to find out how serious are you, how far, you know, it's like, again, like going mm-hmm, back to the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the prison analogy, you know, the, the prison <laughs> yard, and Joey's been sharpening that tool, and he's been talking about making the escape. I've been digging. Been talk- I've been, been digging for been- months. <laughs> and then everybody just kind of laughs it off. Yeah. But then at some point, they're like, wait a minute, Joey's been doing that yeah. for three years now. Joey's going to ride. And- <laughs> Is there room enough for more of us? Yeah, in yeah. That can hole? I go? Can I go? Yeah. Where were you, Bob, when you saw me first sharpening <laughs> this stone? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, he's trying to find out who's with me. I, it's it's fascinating. I do think the other part of the, that made me laugh was I, I I just picture them behind the scenes having conversations with these other programs. I don't know if you got friends in the business at this point. If you're Michael Alford, I mean, you just gotta look out for FSU, but like. Secretly, you've always liked Jerry, who works for Wake Forest. You're like, hey, Jerry, it's, it's going down. You better help yourself, man. Run for the hills because, you know, you're at Wake. You got nothing going for you, man. Run for the hills. Get, get somewhere quick. 
Ira, I appreciate it, brother. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> get some work. Find, some, find right, higher ground. Yeah, you got to get out, man. It's going down. That's it. I'm sounding the alarm. Thanks, Later, brother. Oh, man. Good times. It's tough. You're like, hey, guys, guys, I've waited long enough. It's going down. You thought I was kidding. I'm putting you all on notice. Less than two weeks. They're like, what? Is he serious? I'll go with him. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Wrapping it up, Jeff Cameron Show, and uh, this has been fun. A lot of fun. Florida State kind of the salvo. There you go, everybody. We're about done here. You know how close we are, and it's a glorious thing to be able to mention uh, that uh, we're very, very close to, to probables once again. We'll bring those back. Have a good time with that. Speaking of which, uh, Matthew, if you want to hit the tub talk, we could do a little tub talk here because I want to bring something up to Tom that I was, um, I don't know, pleasantly surprised is the right word, but uh, certainly satisfied. It felt it felt like the right thing. I'll tell you what that is in just a second. It's time for Tub Talk, brought to you by Pinch-A-Penny Pools and Spas. Buy yourself the hot tub you've always wanted at the price you've always wanted from Pinch-A-Penny on Greer Street. Now it's live to the tub. The pitch clock works, man. It's where it's at. Now, of course, you can't end a game on a pitch clock violation. They'll have to fix that. But, damn it, man. I loved it. I loved it. You know what it did? And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, in spring training, they're utilizing pitch clocks. Um, I think they're going to try to institute this sooner rather than later. Uh, the mandate is to speed these games up. I got it. And, you know, that's, that's in response to a fast-paced world, on-demand world. And they got to do it. You know, they, they, they've really suffered from a viewership standpoint. And then they do it. They did it in the Florida State TCU game, too, which I loved. But uh, I think when you watch it, you see how pragmatic it is. One of the things you realize, Tom, and I think we already knew this, but to see it play out this way and enforced, dudes do a whole lot of unnecessary things between pitches, things that don't matter at all. Stop doing that. You need the ability to recognize – what he's attempting to do. If you're a hitter, you do have to have time to calibrate, slider away. Got it. Okay. All right. 1-0. Here we go. Got it. You know, you don't need 15 more seconds to stand out the box and look at the flagpole and gauge the wind and adjust your gloves and touch your socks. No. Step out, slider away. Got it. Get back in the box. The pitchers, same thing, man. And pitchers are going to love it. I think pitchers will love it. Pitchers always want to get into a rhythm. What is the number one way that hitters get you out of a rhythm? By stalling, stepping in and out of the box. That's what they do. They pretend to be working on something. Oh, well, my glove. No, get in the box. Let's go. And I thought it worked great. Obviously, again, you don't want to end the game on a pitch clock violation. And I do know there's little things they're going to have to adjust to. I, I don't know. Are they going to change the rule where 
you know, when a pitcher asks for a new ball, do you reset the clock? Do you stop the clock when he gets a new ball? They didn't stop the clock on that violation, by the way. They didn't stop the clock when the pitcher asked for a new ball. But by the way, in a spring training game, how many times are you going to let a dude ask for a, for a new ball? Let's go. Pitch that ball. That ball's fine. Throw it. So I liked it. I thought it worked really well. I think if you tune into games and watch these guys, you'll see that the pitch clock works. Yeah, the pitch clock works. It, it does speed up the batter. They only get one timeout. We focused about disengagements an awful lot when this, you know, the rollout was coming. You only get two of them when there's a runner on base, and is that going to be to the advantage of the runner? Well, we didn't really talk about how batters only get one timeout per at bat. So you've got to use that judiciously if you're the hitter. And then also from that point on, if you have, you're at the pitcher's mercy because what uh, Max Scherzer, uh, I, obviously because I love the Mets, I, I get their news clippings. I'm sure other pitchers have said similar things. He says, look, he's got to be in there at eight seconds. That doesn't mean I have to throw the ball with eight seconds to go. I can wait. I can wait as long as I want to wait within the frame of the rules. And there's if there's anything that a hitter hates more than having to stand there in the ready position for a tick and another tick and another tick, I don't know what that is. You know, so this is this is advantage pitcher. Even though in the beginning we all thought of the Steve Traxels of the world, the Chris Bassett's of the world, and oh wow, these guys are going to hate it. No, they dictate tempo, and it's not like this is something that has always been a part of baseball. This long delay between action. Correct. Back 25, 30 years ago, and these games things, were two and a half, two hours, two hours, pitch. forty minutes. Yes, yes, yes. So it's returning back to the way it was. I don't think that this is some deviate. They're using a new rule to get there, but this is a return to baseball the way it was not that long ago. Yeah, and for all the advantages you might see in the pace of play being dictated by pitchers, keep in mind some of the other rules adjustments that they're talking about are advantage hitter, advantage runner. You know, you, you see that there's a balance to these rule changes, right? I mean, if you're going to ban shifts, um, obviously we're going to see more hits on pull, for pull side, uh, and, and, you know, whatever, whether you be a lefty or righty. And, and so, you know, that changes things for hitters in a good way, in a more positive way, and then the base is being bigger. So advantage to the, to, to the base runner. So I, I think they're encouraging more action, obviously, across the board. Some of that action is in favor of the pitcher. Some of that action is in favor of the hitter. I think at the end of the day, it makes for a more entertaining and up-tempo product. Uh, I'm not, you know, I've said for years, when I go to a baseball game, I've already carved out hours of my day or night to enjoy watching baseball. So a singular game, if I'm there with my children, like I'm going to see the Pirates take on the Braves down in Bradenton um, in, in a couple weeks. And, you know, if I don't care if I'm there from 1 to 5 p.m. It won't bother me in the slightest. I've already decided I'm going to have a good long day at the ballpark and enjoy it. But over the course of 162 games, if every time I turn on a baseball game is four, four and a half hours, we got a problem. <laughs> we got a problem. And so, again, I, I love this idea. Well, and it's twofold because the games are going to end earlier in the night, too. There has been too much of a reliance by the East Coast to start games later in the evening because they want to capitalize on ratings. MLB is not going to capitalize on national ratings. You're going to get your local audience. You're That's going to correct. get no matter what time you start. So what they're realizing is, okay, what can we do to encourage families to come to the ballpark more often during the week? First pitch in the 6 p.m. hour. How about let's do more of that? And you're seeing that, and you will notice that more as we get to probables and whatever team you love out there. Oh, my God, why are they starting at 640 tonight? Or oh, you're tuning in at 7. They're in the second inning. More and more teams are pushing into that 6 p.m. hour, bridging the gap between the end of school and the end of the workday. 
And if you combine those two things together, that means that a baseball game could routinely in the near future be over by 9.15 to 9.30 at night. And when you put it like that, isn't that something we can all get behind? Yeah, well, for years we've talked about this, about you know when, when Monday Night Football uh, was kicking off more towards 9 than 8. I'm going, no, man, this ain't it. I, I, I got it. I'm old, but we can't do this. I'm not going to bed at 1.30. To watch your game, like we gotta get, we get these games gotta wrap. We got things we gotta do in the morning, and you're right. If you want to bring your kids, you're not bringing them to a game that's gonna end at ten fifteen, not on a Tuesday. You're just not doing it. So I, I think it, I think it will be important in in that sense. And I also know that you know for for baseball, if you the game itself, if you can get people to, I guess what I'm gonna say is that. Oftentimes, when you talk to younger people, they say the game is too slow-paced. It's too, there's not enough action. If at the end of the day, this facilitates a lot more action, whether that just be a pitch, it doesn't have to be a batted ball, that just be a pitch in a more timely fashion, then think about all of – because I think when you go to a game, and again, I don't mind the pace, but I understand that younger people do. If you're standing – if you're sitting in a, in, in, at a ball game – and there's 45 seconds to a minute between pitches. That's an awful lot of nothing going on. If yeah. you know now every 20 seconds, I got I to keep my eyes on the field here. You're engaged. Yeah, I would posit that the modern-day viewer would have no problem or much less of a problem with baseball from the 80s. If that's what they would be like, oh, Correct, yeah. baseball's awesome. That's all, that's all you're trying to do so here. So much movement, and yeah. Wait, do we get to robot umpires, buddy. I mean, you, you won't have that – Little, it looked like a Salvador Dali painting the strike zone this weekend in the Big 12. That crew was rotten. They were really bad. I can't wait for this to be universally applied to the major league ranks all the way down to what we see here in Tallahassee on a week-to-week basis. Well, I hate to constantly berate college umpires, but it's a tough gig, man. That's not their full-time job, and they often look like guys who do not do that full-time. Let's give them the tools to succeed. <laughs> By removing them. <laughs> Good work, sir. Good work, uh, Director Matthew. Or thanks to Iris Chappelle. Thanks to all of you as well for listening and watching. Be good, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.